0: Hey guys, how are you doing? Of course, this is our new normal. We're getting used to this, to worship together online at our different places, at our homes. Um, Before we start, because uh, we can't hear this, I would love for you to give some feedback. Is the, the sound okay before we move on? Is it too loud, is it too low? Um, if you could get some feedback on that, that way we can, or I can feel free to, to move on after this. So if you would, just comment below on this video to tell me if the sound is okay. I'm going to move ahead as if it is. Um, now, first I would like to say, uh, happy Easter, happy Passover. Um, Passover, Easter—I don't really know what the type, why, what the reason is for for people calling it different names here in Iceland. We call it Pauskar. It seems to me that uh, in a big portion of the world, uh, this. Right here, what we celebrate is called P something. There is, starts with a letter P. Now it's usually because we uh, it's it's synonymous with Passover, so that's why I titled this video Passover 2020, not Easter 2020. Uh, it's taken from the Hebrew word Pesach, uh, and of course here in Iceland it's poskar. We try to stay close to the Hebrew that way. I know in French it's something with P and and following. Um, So I titled this video Passover 2020 because we are celebrating uh, the the Passover. We are remembering the death of Jesus Christ, but also his resurrection and him conquering the grave. Um, Now, before we start, I would like to make just a few announcements. Number one Feel free to share this video with your friends. Uh, right now, uh, as we think about, okay, how can I be a light and salt in this world where social isolation is a reality? I think one of the, the things that the tools in our toolbox that we have right now is social media. So if you would share this video with your friends, I know some have told me that if you share it not just as a post, but as if you start a Watts party on Facebook, then it reaches more of your friends. So if you want this message to go out as we talk and you study the world, and we talk about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and we celebrate the fact that he is risen and the eternal hope that we have in him, uh, then feel free to do that. If you have prayer requests that you don't mind us all knowing about, please post them as a comment to this video. Uh, I'm gonna ask Elliot, if you would be willing to gather up those prayer requests, both that are posted on the comment of this video and also the Lost Sovereign Fellowship uh, chat on Facebook, uh, then please post it there. And Elliot, if you would gather them up for me at the end of today, after the sermon, and we can pray for them. Um, now, second, well, third, we're gonna be praying following the sermon. And also, um, I, w- I just want to remember uh, remind our members that there is going to be a members meeting. Uh, we often confuse uh, membership class and members meeting together. So just to clarify, members meeting, that is for those who are already members of our church, there's going to be a meeting for us on Zoom, April 25th at 1.30 uh, p.m., so following the broadcast. Um one of the other thing announcements I would like to, to make before we start is the fact that we're going to have a membership class for anyone interested in becoming a member, knowing what our church believes in, uh, why we believe in it. It's a perfect venue to ask a lot of questions about our statement of faith, why we focus on certain things. The membership class is to hopefully convey to you how we view membership, how seriously we take it. We view it as you opening up your life to other members of the church and them opening up their lives to you and us helping one another follow Christ in our day-to-day lives. But also we have a goal in mind that we want to reach and we all want to be on the same page. So that's what the membership class is about. It's about three hours. So send a message to Lofstavan, uh, the Facebook page right now if you want to be in the members' uh, class today at 1.30 p.m. Uh, let me know there by sending a message to Losom Baptist of on Facebook. And that is it. So I just want to pray for us as we go into our sermon for today. And uh, yeah, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much that we can, that we can meet this way even though we can't gather in person. I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, I... Today, I stand, as I've been thinking about your resurrection this week, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, conquering death on our behalf, paying our debt, and with the resurrection, sealing the fact that he is more than anything or anyone else that's ever walked this earth. God, I have also been grieved and saddened over the fact that This message that we try to make the center of every church service that we have, it may be something that's on the sidelines for a lot of Christians. It may be sort of, yes, this is how I get into Christianity, but then I graduate from this into more deep things, greater things, greater truths, hidden truths. And God, I have been grieved as I think about maybe how many Christians are struggling with temporal circumstances that may be difficult in heart and and they may suffer through that without dwelling on this eternal hope that we have. So God, I pray as we jump into the text today that you would guard my tongue, that you would help me speak the truth of your word, that you would help me convey eternal realities and eternal hope. And God, that we would, as we are all over the place in our homes, be filled with hope when we think about the the death of Jesus, but the resurrection of Jesus as well, the conquering of death, the eternal hope that we have that can never be taken away from us, no matter what else crumbles around us. This is the rock of ages that stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, I pray as we dive into your word today, as we dive into John chapter 12, Jesus talking about death and life preceding death uh, or coming after death. God, that we, that we would worship, that we would marvel, that we would be thankful for what you've done. And God, may we be in awe and wonder over the fact that you have shown grace and mercy to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, As we jump into this, uh, I want us to be reading John, Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 23 to 25. It reads as follows. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So these are the few verses I would like for us to dwell on today. Today is Passover, the time of year when we think back and remember on the sufferings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We think about the mockery He endured, the humiliation, the suffering, the death. But we remember, as much as we talk about the crucifixion, as much as we focus on the cross, as much as, I mean, even right here, while well, this is mirrored in the screen in front of me, as the cross is behind me right here, as much as it is a symbol of our faith, we really sing about the cross, we meditate on the cross, We extol the cross because of the fact that the story didn't end there. Because in death, Jesus conquered the grave. Three days later, he rose from the death, showing that he is indeed not just another prophet. He's not just another motivational speaker or philosopher or a moralist, but rather he is the conqueror of death, the savior of the world, the sacrificial lamb of God come to die in our place. He indeed is God in flesh. And so today, we say with the church as a whole, today, this Sunday, they may not be gathering now, but they will later on, or they have already, he is risen. He is risen. It's not the same as Lazarus rising from the dead. We don't say he rose to continue his life a little further on and then die again later. He is still risen today. He is Praying for us, seated at the right hand of the Father, reigning in glory. Now, first I want to go into this one character in history. It's going to feel unrelated to the sermon, but it feels similar to what's happening at the cross. There was this man in World War II, his name was Sir Robert Watson Watt. Uh, he was an inventor, and he actually invented the radar technology that's used very commonly today, but it wasn't known then. He was the inventor of it. Later in his life, after the World War had ended, he was driving in Canada where he got pulled over by the police for speeding, and they were using his technology against him, his radar gun against him. And He wrote this sort of short, ironic poem about this experience of his, and he said this, "Pity." Sir Robert Watson Watt, strange target of this radar plot, and thus, with others I can mention, the victim of his own invention. His magical all-seeing eye enabled cloud-bound planes to fly, but now, by some ironic twist, it spots the speeding motorist and bites. No doubt with legal wit, the hand that once created it. So he talks about this ironic twist of this guy coming up with this new invention that causes the planes to be flying through the sky and being able to do that more accurately and more safely. But now he is the victim of his own invention. His technology that he invented is being used against him to hand him a speeding ticket. Now today, we say, like I said earlier, Christ is risen because he still lives. God Used the plotting of evil men. He used the cross, a torturing device created in the minds of brutal and evil people, to use their own inventions and own creations to conquer evil. At Passover, we remember that in two days, creations uh, in two ways, creations are used or were used to, to reach the opposite goal that they were intended to. First, we have the cross, this horrific torturing device meant uh, made by evil and bloodthirsty men that was used to conquer evil and its consequences and then secondly, we also have man made in god 's image. God's life running through their veins. God sustaining their life and they using their hands to crucify the author and sustainer of life, to mock him, using their God-given tongues and mouths to mock the creator and sustainer of life, using their hands to murder him. I think of the sad words in, in John chapter 1, verses 10 through 11, where he says, he was in the world And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But through his love, we stand here today. Through his mercy, through his sacrifice, we have eternal hope. We are here today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. But the reality is that there would be no resurrection if there was no death. And here today, in some ways, we celebrate God's ability to turn even the worst of circumstances into good news for His glory and His people. Then I remember three years ago, (laughs) Just yesterday, we were celebrating the birth of our youngest son, Solomon, who was born with a very rare disease. Two other people in this world have it. But three years ago, when he was born, I think Easter was the following day, or Passover, or two days away. And at this time, we had no idea. It would take five months, I think it was, of testing to try to figure out what his condition was. I had seen him suffocating on his own tongue and we weren't sure if he would make it. And I remember having to give a Passover sermon. I was, my mind was out of place. My body was so tired. And I remember sitting at the steps of the church downtown that we used to meet in the Adventist church downtown. It was 40 minutes before service would start and I had no idea what I could say. And I could tell you this, it definitely wasn't the best sermon I have ever given. It wasn't deeply exegetical. It wasn't, uh, you know, dissecting the text really well. It was me in weakness looking at overwhelming, horrific circumstances and dealing with Passover where Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross and just the mere hope, of the fact that we celebrate and we sing about the cross with hope and not disgust. Just the fact that God could turn the sacrificial lamb of God, the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who was completely innocent, dying, mocked by men, who he was trying to save, and he could make that turn to our good and the glory of God, Man, what a hope it was just to think about those things. Just to think about the promises of God that all things work together for the good of those who are called by his name and who love God and realize no matter how dark our circumstance can be, he can always turn them out for our good and his glory. Notice in the verses we read today, the first verse there, Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Remember too, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows what's in front of him. He knows about the anguish. He knows about the mockery. He knows about, knows about the, the hate of the people that he's about to receive. He knows about the suffering. He knows about the death. And yet he says something like this, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Jesus Christ, when he's talking about glorification, he's speaking of the whole ordeal of his obedience and love even to death. How can that be glorifying? I think it can be glorifying because he ultimately, he is not only thinking of glor- being glorified before men he knows in the next few hours that he, that awaits him is suffering is mockery is hate is humiliation but ultimately glorification is not about the praise of the people it is about the praise of God the father he's looking to the only opinion that matters. He's looking to God the Father himself. He's looking not at the momentary circumstances, but looking at them from an eternal perspective. Now remember that glorification may not always include the praise of the people. Uh, In fact, it may cause them to mock you or sneer at you. If you think about just speaking out against immorality, Speaking out or standing firm in the times where shifting worldviews are shifting really fast, you may call, it may call for people to look at you weird, to mock you, to sneer at you. It's like, man, who is this guy stuck in the 1950s? He just has to speed up a little bit and catch up with the times, right? Can't he just compromise a little bit? can he just give in a little bit? Standing out against immorality is not often popular. If you think about history, doing the right thing can often cost you a lot. If you think about the fact that even today we have access to our Bibles, many people died trying to translate the Bible as we know it into a language we could read or our ancestors could read. There's a lot of blood that ran through the streets of them trying to do something good and God glorifying by people who didn't want that to happen. Think about the Second World War. Think about the people who were trying to hide the Jewish people, try to save their lives. It came at a great cost to them. Think about slavery. Think about those who were trying to abolish slavery and the slave trade. Think about the cost that they had to endure Think about how unpopular they were in a society that thought this acceptable and maybe even participated in the slave trade. All of a sudden, here's a voice saying, this is horrible. This is sin. This is disgusting. Imagine the social cost, the physical cost, the financial cost. Imagine the mockery or the hate. So this idea that glorification always comes with the praise of the people is not true. Really, true glorification is the acceptance of God, and here Jesus Christ is doing that. He knows exactly what's ahead of him. He knows the suffering that's about to take place, yet he goes into it willingly. He lays down his life for his sheep. Sometimes the call for doing what is required of us comes with mockery and hardship, but we must remember, as Jesus did, when going to the cross, there is only one opinion that matters. True glorification comes only by one means, and that is through the pr- not through the praise of the people, but through the acceptance of God. Now, Jesus, he is telling, uh, he's using the symbol of a seed going into the ground and dying. Imagine the small seed that will in the end be a, uh, fruit-bearing apple tree or orange tree or whatever type of tree you would like to imagine. Imagine how small it starts out. That is the imagery that Jesus uses again and again about the kingdom of God being small like a mustard seed, but then taking over, growing exponentially. Imagine the amounts of seed or seeds that in the end are produced by just the faithfulness of this one seed going into the ground. The potential for growth and nourishment that comes through that just one original seed going into the ground and dying. It is dying to its, to its old identity as a seed and becoming something else, a fruit-bearing plant. That's the image that Jesus is using to describe his death. That his death is going to accomplish something more. It's going to give life. Now, Jesus, of course, has in mind himself literally dying on the cross for us. And he's not focused on the loss, but the gain of the cross. You can read this in Hebrews as well. Um, The fruit that will be produced through the suffering and the mockery. Imagine this. On Friday, he he was crucified with thieves. And on Sunday, he was risen and revealed to be the king of life and the conqueror of death. Man, what a transformation that occurred in the eyes of the people who thought they had won when they saw him die among thieves, not realizing the story wasn't over. Not only will he be glorified in this great reveal, but he will also be glorified in the fruit that follows this act of God through Jesus Christ his son from that one original seed falling to the ground, dying to itself, to become something different, it becomes a tree that keeps producing more seeds that die to themselves and become more fruit-bearing trees, producing more seeds, and all of a sudden, 2,000 years removed, we stand here in Iceland talking about Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah that died for us. He's looking at the cross, and he's not seeing the cost, but the gain, He's seeing the exponential growth that's going to happen of people laying down their lives, of following him, just as he laid down his life to make us his own. If death doesn't happen, the seed will continue to be a seed, but nothing else will happen. It'll never see the fruit of its sacrifice. It'll never see the reality of its capabilities. It'll never experience what it was created to be. And Man, I wish sometimes, if, you, if you're watching this and you're not a Christian, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ to be your Savior, to be the one who paid your debt on that cross, man, I don't know how to, to relay the reality of the fact that and I'm trying to explain to people that, yeah, you may be breathing, but you're not living. <laughs> you're not living what you, in, in the way that you were created for. Your soul is crying out for something more. And that's exactly what we see here. He's saying, man, you can remain a seed, but that's not what you were intended to do. Jesus here, he's not only given an example that shows what he's about to do, but what he's calling all of us to do. Now granted, he is the only one who could save the world from its sin. He's the only one who could die for our sins. If I die for anybody's sins, it'll be for my own because I am Less than perfect and much less than perfect. And all of us are less than perfect. But here is Jesus Christ, God himself, in flesh, the perfect God-man come to die for us because he wasn't paying for his own sins. He was paying for the sins of others. And we can't pretend to copy that in any way. But he's calling us to follow him. An experienced life that follows death. And in reality, it is the only true life. It's what you and I were created for, a communion with God that has been restored. Like Augustine of Hippo said, you have created us for yourself, O Lord, and our uh, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. If you do not die to your old identity and are raised again to new life in Jesus Christ, your heart will continue to be restless. Now listen to what Jesus says at the end of our verses here today. He says, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Man, if you cling on to your identity, if you cling on to your life right now, to your comforts, to your idols, you will be a seed for the rest of your life, never truly living because you never tapped into what you were created for. You'll be the equivalent of an artist that never creates or an athlete that never competes or a doctor that never heals I mean, sure, you existed, you inhaled and exhaled, but you never truly lived the life that you were created for because you refused to take the step towards death. That's my selling point. Take the step towards death. That's what Jesus is trying to convey. Only then will you see what you were created for. But here we live today with hope precisely because Jesus was willing to take the step towards death, He was willing to be the savior we needed. He was willing to pay a debt that he didn't owe to save people like me and you who didn't deserve it That is what the cross is, where the wrath of God over our sin is poured out on Jesus and the perfect God-man is dying for me and for you. The cross is where the wrath and the love of God meet. Making a way for me to approach the God of the universe, the holy one, the perfect one, the righteous one, and here I am with my dirty hands, And I can approach him without fear or trembling because I know that he's died in my place, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place, that he's paid the debt that I owed him with all of my sin and all of my life and all of my imperfections, he has covered them. And I love the way the apostle Paul talks about this, we are in Christ. He has given me life and hope. So many of us, we refuse to give up our own identities, our own authority, our own ambitions, and follow our God and our creator. And here's the thing about dying. It's pretty final. You don't sort of die or kind of die. Either you die or you don't. This lie of second-tier Christianity where, yeah, you got the really Christian people in the first tier, but here I am. I'm I'm sort of like, yeah, I like Jesus, but I'm doing my own thing. This idea of nominal Christianity, that it's just enough to say the right words with my mouth. It doesn't really matter how I live or what I do. This idea of lukewarm Christianity or this watered-down version of Christianity has sent countless people to hell. What does Jesus say in the text here? If you love your life as a seed, you will lose it. And whoever hates his life here in this world compared to the eternal, he, he will find it. If you serve Jesus, you follow Jesus. That's what he says. And and what did Jesus do? He died in love for others. And so we are called to follow Jesus and die in love for others and for God. We're called to die to our sinful ways of thinking and behaving, die to our selfishness, our greed, our lust, to go after something, or better yet, someone better. That's not to say that we won't struggle with these sins, but by the grace of God we fight it, and by the power of the Holy Spirit we're changed. That's not to say it won't hurt or feel like it's costing us, but like Jesus, we don't see the loss, but we see the gain. Not only have you found what you were created for in Christ Jesus in communion with God, but now you have eternal hope that does not shake when the financial markets shake. You have eternal hope in God that doesn't shake when your work isn't going good or when your school is getting to feel just a little too overwhelming. True life is found in death, oddly enough. So if you're listening to this and you're someone who has bought into this lie that you can cling on to Jesus and your own ways of living as well, thinking and behavior as well, Let me tell you this. This idea came from somewhere, but it wasn't Jesus. Either you let go of yourself and you follow Jesus or you don't. You don't kind of die or sort of die. And let me tell you, as someone who is pursuing joy for most of my life, and a good portion of that, I was trying it without Jesus. Jesus is greater and better than anything in this world can offer. Netflix and Disney Plus may entertain you, but never satisfy your soul. Success may thrill you, but only as long as you keep chasing that carrot and you never catch it. Because when you catch that carrot of success and you realize it won't satisfy your soul, you realize that it's just like anything else. Nothing truly satisfies except what you were created for, communion with God. Drugs may dull your brain, but never quench the thirst of your spirit, crying out for God. Whatever you think you're losing by giving up, by dying to yourself, by following Christ, is no loss at all. It's actually just losing things that will in the end fail to deliver what they promise. You can only be truly satisfied in God himself, and that can only be possible through the sacrifice and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My guess is that during this pandemic, during this hardship that a lot of us are facing and now we're starting to see deaths rack up here in Iceland, and I, my condolences are with the families that are experiencing the brokenness of this world. My guess is that there's a lot of people asking themselves this question that's stuck around for a very long time. If God is good, And if God is all-powerful, why wouldn't he stop evil from taking place? Now, when we ask that question, I don't think a lot of us realize how subjective that question is. This is what I mean, because most of us, we really don't want God to take out all evil in the world. Right? We think God should remove everything that I deem to be evil enough. We don't want God to rid the world of our crazy aunt who thinks about no one but herself and maybe greedy because that's not quite evil enough for us. Maybe people like murderers or something like that. You think, God, you could rid the world of evil. Meanwhile, the murderer asks the same question. God, why don't you, if you're all-powerful and if you're good, why don't you remove evil from this world? But in his mind, and this is the subjective nature of it, he's not evil. He may have accidentally committed a murder, but he's not evil. Maybe the murderers who intentionally committed murder, they're evil. Maybe those who planned for it more, they're evil. And then you have that person asking this same question, God, why don't you rid the world of evil? But in his mind, he's not evil. The serial killer is evil. And in the serial killer's mind, he's thinking, I'm not evil. But the serial killer's to torture and kill, they're truly evil. And I think like when we realize what we're asking for, when we ask, God, why don't you rid the world of evil? We don't fully realize how subjective that question is. But let's, let's think about this for a moment. If God were to rid the world of evil, what would that look like? It ranges from bullies, greedy people, maybe petty thieves to murderers and terrorists. Why doesn't God rid the world of evil? because the whole earth would be empty. There would be nothing to redeem. We're all contributing to the problem. And this question leads us to the topic of today and the passage of today. Why did Jesus die for us? Why did he rise and why is it important? We stand here today, alive, thankfully and mercifully. God did not seek to hand out only justice to sinners, but on the cross of Jesus Christ, God was fulfilling his plan from the fall of mankind that's still in action today. He's not gonna rid this world of evil. He's gonna redeem people for himself. That is why we need the cross. Because we've all failed the test. We can't earn the love of God. We can't earn heaven. We can't earn righteousness because even if we do something good, That bad that we've done is always staining us. And if we stand before God, creator of the universe, all-powerful, holy, perfect, and he judges us by his standard, by himself, if we are evil or not, we will all fail the test. So oddly enough... I find myself, when I ask this question, why does God not stop evil? And it started when I was very young, at 10 years of eight, you know, 10 years old, thinking about why my grandmother was murdered. Oddly enough, it took me about 10 years to get to that point. But it got me to the point where where I started to see I'm a part of the problem. I'm here because he refused to stop evil and wanted to redeem it. We're all here because of evil acts of men. Evil inventions of men like the cross working out for our good. We stand here alive because he died. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in him. By the grace of God, he didn't only seek to rid the world of evil, leaving the world empty, but offered a hope to those infected with evil and sin. John 15, 31 tells us of the great love of Jesus. It says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, and that's exactly what Jesus did, and more. Not only did he die for his friends, even on the cross, what did he say about the Roman soldiers? Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Colossians 2:13 to 14 tells us, "And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands." And I love this sentence right here or these words: "This He set aside, that is, our debt, nailing it to the cross." God has said in his word that the wages of sin is death. Yet Christ died and he was sinless. Not for his own sins, but for ours. And why did he rise again? Because he was sinless. Death had no hold on him. Acts chapter two tells us this Jesus Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. This is the great hope that we all have as Christians. If you're watching this and you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you have not put your faith in him as your savior and your Lord, the savior that pays your debt, the Lord that owns your life, I'm telling you, you haven't experienced true life yet. If you have not died to yourself, you have not yet tasted true satisfaction that can only be found in God. There's no process you have to go through. There's no classes you have to take. There are no ceremonies to do. If you want this, all you've got to do is tell God, surrender your life to him and say, I am yours and you are mine. Make me a fruit bearing plant. There is no way for you to earn your way to heaven. Your only hope is that heaven meets you and it has done so in Jesus Christ. This is why we proclaim he is risen. And this is why my hope is to make this, this reality, the life, the perfect life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice on our behalf and the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, the center point of our church, the reason for why we exist and what we do, because we want this to be central. And what breaks my heart is that I think a lot of Christians and a lot of churches may not see this as essential. They may see this as sort of the, the 101 class that you graduate from. Of course, yeah, I got the gospel down. Now I move over to important things. But this gospel is an inexhaustible well that gives fuel to the fire. If the church is supposed to do anything, it has to be motivated by Jesus Christ, by his love for us, by his death, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Because without him, then nothing we do as a church should make sense without this message at the center of it. This is the fuel for the fire. This is why we want to celebrate communion every week, and it's broken my heart the fact that we haven't been able to, um it's broken my heart that i stand here today with empty seats man i can't wait to hug every one of you and love on you um but brandy who's been showing up for our church services she sent out to our church saying hey if any of you want bread to do communion together for easter i will deliver them to your house she baked the bread and uh For those of you who do have this at your homes, I want us to remember the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. So let me just get my set right here. Before his death, Jesus sat down with his disciples. He broke bread and said, this is my body that's broken for you. He drank wine and he said, this is my blood that's shed for you. And he wanted it to be a constant reminder when they gathered his broken body for them and his blood that was shed for them. No one took it. He laid it down. And so this is what we usually do every week. And I just want us to close our eyes and remember what Christ has done. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for his broken body on our behalf, his blood that purchased our redemption, that gave us eternal hope. We love you, Father. And we thank you for the fact that you did not give up on us. But through your son, Jesus Christ, you brought redemption to people like me who didn't deserve it. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The broken body of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for us. This is why we do communion every week when we're together to remember the broken body of Jesus Christ and we drink to remember the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. Um, But as we close out our service, I want us to go into this week remembering that this may be the end of our live stream together, but it is the beginning of the week and we can continue to worship him throughout the week. I pray that this message of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ might not only be limited to Easter or Passover in our lives. I pray this would be the central role of our lives. Everything that we do and say may may be motivated by Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. May it bring him glory. And as we think about the seed going to the ground and dying to its old identity, becoming a tree, may we follow the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and ask ourselves the question, what does it look like for me to die to myself and follow Christ? Now, I want us to be praying for one another. I do want to say thank you, guys. Um, I want to say thank you for giving Last month was a little bit rough for the church, but it was it was, we, we made it through i um, understand understandably so I think most of us we give here when we're at this place. Um, I just want to say thank you for for give, continuing to give online so that we can take care of our responsibilities as a church so that we can take care of all the things that we need to still be paying for um, and so to bring this to a close, before we go into prayer, I just want to post onto the screen the bank information. If you want to, if you want to give to the church, so that we can, um, that we can take care of all the responsibilities that we had before this crisis hit, and that we continue to have. Man, this this camera has really shifted. I think we started out with the camera being around right here, um, but now it's up to here. So if you want to give. Uh, there's the information for you to give. I can barely make it above the little banner there. Um, But anyways, uh, I want us to be praying. And I saw that the prayer requests were posted, um, and I want to read some of them right here. Let's start with a prayer request that we have. Uh, Let me take this banner off real quick. Hildur says, uh, please be praying for our wedding changes that we Use uh, the help we've been offered wisely and also please be praying uh, I hopefully have an appointment with a brain lady and a brain scan in the next couple of weeks and i' am praying that God works a miracle and lets me get uh, get out of off this medication before my marriage starts amen let's let's continually be praying for Hildur um not just now, but continuing throughout the week. Uh, Yama says, please pray for me and my university studies. Sarah, uh, she wants to share a huge praise as well. So, of course, we'd, we, uh, we would love to pray with you uh, through whatever you're going through. But also, if you have any praise, um, then then feel free to do that. She says, We successfully discharged a patient yesterday who recovered from COVID. I work with an at-risk population, and this is an amazing win, which can only be from God. Uh, if you're praying, please, tomorrow will be my ninth shift in a row. So yeah, a day off would be nice. I can only imagine, Sarah. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, you're awesome. Uh, and the people are... Privilege to have you there taking care of them, Uh, not only taking care of them physically, but covering uh, your work and prayer, and we will join you in praying for that as well. Um, Please also pray for Sandra, the girl who is lost, oh yeah, she's recently broken up with a boy who was murdered this week, and I'm very worried for her safety. Please pray for God to protect her and that she be found safe and alive. Let's pray for Sandra. Um, let's, let's pray for these uh, prayer requests. So join me, if you will. God, I pray for Hiltut that you would be with her, uh, that as her body may be weakened, uh, man may see fuel your strength, and as the dopamine may, may not be received as normal, God may see experience your joy. God, I pray that this medicine would work. But God, above all else, I pray just for healing in general. Um, and yes, of course, you can use that doctors to, to make the healing, but man, I want to see your name be lifted high in praise for this healing. I I would love for it to be in such a way that the doctors could not explain why it happened or how it happened so that we could give you glory, that we could worship you together. Of course, we're gonna be worshiping you no matter what, but man, what a joy it would be if we as a community could celebrate your work in healing, Hildur. God, I pray for all the plans that have been thrown out to the wind with this uh, COVID-19 thing going on. God, I pray that you would be with Hildur, that you would give her patience, uh, that you would give her uh, endurance. God, as changes uh, to the wedding plans are happening, I pray that you give her peace and calm so that she's not overwhelmed by it and then she gets to enjoy this. I pray for her and Elliot to be um, just equipped in the next few weeks and may we celebrate together as a community of believers, even though we can't all be there at the wedding and actually almost none of us can be there at the wedding. God, I pray that we would celebrate together uh, your work in their lives, that we would pray for their future as well, that you would glorify yourself in their lives and in their love for one another. God, I pray for Yama, and I pray for the university studies that he's going through. God, I pray that you give him wisdom to deal with that, that you are with him. Um, God, I pray for Sara, I thank you so much for this praise request for this uh, person recovering from COVID-19 uh, and being at a, a, a risk, uh, part of the at-risk population. Man, we praise you for your mercy and your grace, and we thank you for that. We thank you for Sarah. We thank you for, man, her willingness to work. <laughs> God, the craziness that's going on in her work, this ninth shift in a row. God, I pray that you give her the endurance that she needs when she feels exhausted. Man, when we are weak, you are strong. And so God, I pray that you would be strong in her life, that you would glorify yourself through giving her strength there. God, I pray that also for for this girl, Sandra, Uh, the girl who's been missing, uh, who recently broke up with a boy who was... Murdered this week, and I am, uh, God, I pray that you'd be with her. I don't know the situation. I pray that her she might be alive, she might be found. And God, I pray, wherever she is, may she turn to you. May she turn to you for hope. Wherever she is, whoever she's around, may she turn to you. And may she be found and may we all celebrate your mercy on her life. So God help us, help us find her, help us return to us. And I also want to pray for Ayanda. Please pray for those who are not saved and continue in praying for Akata's healing. I want to pray that Akata, our sister, is healed. We don't know what it is that's causing this, but I just pray that you would heal our sister Akata, that we would worship you as well through your healing there. And God, I pray for those who don't have eternal hope, who don't have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who haven't experienced life to the fullest, who haven't experienced walking through the valleys of life, but still having hope because you are with us, who haven't experienced the mountaintops of life, but still being grounded because we realize no matter how much you bless us, we've already gained the biggest blessing that is Jesus Christ is with us. So God, would you be with us as a church to allow us to be salt and light? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, there are some other things that I would love for us to pray about. I'm going to take just time, and, and this, is, this is sort of staying the same throughout um, the weeks, so we want to be praying for our government the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders, that we might live quiet lives and godly lives and freedom. So let's pray for the government um, and pray for those who are sick. Uh, I think we're up to eight dead now because of this COVID-19. Let's pray for their families. Uh, let's start with this. Let's pray for the families of those who've died and also for physical healing for the sick. Let me just take 30 seconds to uh, allow us all to pray where we are. All right, now I want to be praying for the spiritual healing of our country and the hearts of people to repent in this and also uh, and turn to Christ. And I also want to pray for those who are in authority in our country, in political authority and social authority, for God to grant strength and mercy to them and their families as well. We, we may often pray for our leaders, but I can only imagine that being the family Uh, the spouse of that leader who is maybe working a lot during the day. Um, They rarely get mentioned, so I want to be praying for those in authority, um, for them to have wisdom, godly wisdom, for God to um, glorify himself in and through their leadership and their families. And I want to pray for our country that we would turn in repentance to Jesus Christ through this. So let's pray. Now, um, to close this out, I want us to be praying for those in the front lines of, uh, um, of this COVID-19 virus. Uh, I want us to be praying for the people who uh, are putting themselves at risk so that our society can function through this. Uh, I, I want to pray for the doctors who are, and, and nurses who are putting their lives at risk um, in this And I want us to pray for for their protection and for God to be with them uh, and God to give them strength and for our hospital system not to be strained strained above its means as we just prayed for Sara. Like obviously, she's been working a lot. There's a lot of things to do at the hospital um, and we have other friends that are working there. So let's pray for God to protect them, God to give them wisdom, but also... I mean, there are other workers who, who are um, serving our community while still working. Um, delivery truck drivers. There are grocery store workers. There are, you know, there are countless of of people we may not have realized how how important their jobs are. So let's pray for the protection of those people who continue working and um, and, and and endangering themselves basically, so that we could. Um, we get to the food and the groceries that we need and so on and so forth. Uh, But specifically, of course, those who are in the greatest physical danger, the the nurses and the doctors, and also probably the greatest strain on them working a very, very long time. So let's let's take here a few seconds and pray for them uh, and I'll close this out. God, I pray for our country. I pray for this COVID-19 thing to go away. I thank you, uh, as I've just been looking at the numbers, to see that it's rising where people who are diagnosed are diagnosed while still in quarantine and, and thus enabled to spread this disease elsewhere while they were there. And we praise you for this week as we've seen more people get uh, recover from COVID than, uh, than are getting diagnosed with it. God, I pray that that trend would continue. I pray that we would see our country open again so that we might worship one another. Man, I can't wait for the day when I can worship with my brothers and sisters in here again to hear our voices sing your praise, to study your word together, to eat afterwards. But God, it even breaks my heart that maybe the next service we have might be weeks away, possibly months away, and we don't know. And God, it breaks my heart even thinking about a service where we may be able to join together, but we would have to refrain from hugging one another and shaking each other's hands and being, you know, just expressing our love for one another. So, God, I just I pray for an awakening in Iceland that through this COVID-19 that we would realize the fragility of things that we put our faith in, how fragile everything physical is, how little it takes to turn everything upside down, that we would, as a nation, turn to you, that we would see an awakening within us a renewed fervor within your people turning to Christ in repentance, worshiping you with all of our lives. And, and for those who are not Christians, we would see more people come to faith turning to you for eternal hope. But God, may your church come together to worship again. God, I pray that you would heal the sick, those who have this virus, that you would cause it to stop, to spread. Um. And God, awaken us to our need for you. Awaken us as we may experience just how fragile the physical things are to our need for a rock that stands forever. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May we go into this week worshiping God together. May we seek to make disciples. to share the gospel with people who don't believe, to help others grow in their faith and love of God. So let's go into this week uh, seeking to glorify God. I hope you have an amazing Passover with your family. I pray that you, uh, God would glorify himself in your life and through your life and be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the end. Here at the end, I'm just gonna put up the Love to Logo and um, the bank account and information if you want to give, because I realized that earlier was very short. So if you want to give, go ahead. God bless you guys, and God be with you.